In this digital first world, the old ways of recruiting are becoming obsolete. Or are they? The talent demands on every business has put TA squarely in the hot seat. Welcome to Talent Acquisition in the Trenches, a real dialogue podcast with talent acquisition pros closest to the front line. We want to talk to our peers who are actually doing the heavy lifting day in and day out. You're going to learn what their biggest challenges are and how they're being solved. I'm your host, Matt Reimer, and I'm here to talk about TA. I've been in TA for over 20 years, and what I know is that I don't know. I'm here to listen and learn just like you, no scripts, just real dialogue. Talent Acquisition in the Trenches is powered by NACR, the preeminent association for healthcare recruitment professionals focused on education, networking, and providing resources to enable our members to become strategic business partners in the ever-changing healthcare environment. My friends call me Rhymer, so friends, let's create some new riffs with Rhymer. Thanks for trenching in. Today's guest is Rebecca Capsalis. Rebecca is the Associate VP of TA for the University of Vermont Health Network. UVM's team of over 16,000 colleagues provides healthcare to more than 1 million people in Vermont and Northern New York. Rebecca's TA team consists of 46 TA professionals filling close to 5,000 positions in 2021. They run an average weekly open requisition load of just over 2,000 positions. Rebecca is a self-described HR geek with a wide swath of professional experience, growing and leading a wide variety of businesses, launching a new TACOE at UVM, and innovating how they relocate talent to the East. Rebecca, welcome to TA in the Trenches. Well, thank you, Matt. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. My first super- podcast. All right. Well, we're going to take it nice and easy on you here today. So I'm, I'm super excited and uh, obviously um, uh, wanting to kind of dig in a little bit and kind of learn more about what you've got going on, uh, you know, within TA. But really where I wanted to start, I know we had a, a chance to kind of chat a little bit before, was tell me a little bit about bagels in Breckenridge <laughs> and, and kind of how you, you, you move from owning and, and selling a bagel business and into becoming the recently promoted associate VP of TA uh, for UVM Health Network. Thanks, Matt. So I'd love to talk to you about bagels because it was my life for a good 10 years um, when I was right out of school. So I um, am coming to you from um, Shelburne, Vermont which is just outside of Burlington, Vermont, which is actually um, where I went to school. I went to school at the University of Vermont and met my now husband there. Um, And we started hanging out and I will stress, it was just hanging out. We were just (laughs) friends um, uh, when I was a senior and he actually had come back to write a business plan. To, um, to start a bagel bakery out in Breckenridge, Colorado. So I was close to graduation and was not quite sure what I wanted to do. I had the option of working at Fidelity Investments, which I had done an internship at the summer before, but was kind of like, you know, I haven't really fully had uh, the experiences and the adventures that I want to do. So I'm not ready for that. So I'll follow you out to to Breckenridge. And I did. Um, And he and his business partner actually started the the Breckenridge Bagel Bakery in Breckenridge and then also in Frisco, um, Colorado. It was actually called Mm. the Pika Bagel Bakery. 
Okay. Um, and so I, I ended up, um, we did that for quite a long time, almost 10 years. And um, when we got married and decided to start a family, we thought it was probably best to start mm -hmm. moving back east. Um, he's from um, Shelburne. His family was from Shelburne. I was from Massachusetts. I am from Massachusetts. And um, Burlington was like the ideal place for us. We're both mm -hmm. skiers. We love the outdoors. We love the lake. We love, you know, just everything that Vermont has to offer. So we came back and I needed to find a job. Um, and so did he. And he's an entrepreneur. Um, I, I helped him being an entrepreneur mm -hmm. for many years, but mm -hmm. that's not really at the heart and soul of, of who I am. So I was excited to try to pursue a career in human resources. And at the time, and this was in the in 2000, basically, I mean, before you could, people were, you know, sending their resumes um, by the internet and mm -hmm. sending emails and such. It was really just at the beginning of that era. So I, you know, bought my best crane stationery and, and wrote out my resume and cover letters and sent them to every like progressive company that I could think of in Vermont to try mm -hmm. to get a foot in the door in human resources. And um, a company called Country Home Products took a chance on me. And I started in recruiting for them and they um, manufactured and sold outdoor power equipment. Okay. So. Um, and so did that and loved the company um, and loved recruitment and loved HR and I wanted to continue to grow. So um, I didn't have the opportunity to grow in the way that I wanted to there. So I then shifted over to mental health and um, had a career in human resources at the Howard Center for Human Services here in Vermont in Chittenden County. Um, <clears throat> and was approached by a friend who worked for Magic Cat Brewing Company. Um, and they were just starting um, their, they just were at the point where they needed an HR leader. Mm -hmm. So um, I went from beer to outdoor power equipment to, I mean, I'm sorry, from, um, from bagels to outdoor power mm -hmm. equipment to then beer. And okay. so um, worked there and led human resources for quite a number of years. And um, we forged a, um, a company called Independent Brewers United, uh, purchased some craft breweries out on the West Coast. So um, spent my 30s, um, my late 30s, mid to late 30s, um, leading HR for that company. So spent a lot of time traveling um, between Berkeley, California, Seattle, Washington, Portland, Oregon, um, and just having a grand old time doing that. Um, my kids, thank, thankfully my husband was, um, keeping the home fires burning and was able to help, um, get our kids, you know, off to school during many business trips, but loved it. Um, we are purchased by North American breweries and, um, our senior leadership team was, um, asked to move along. So that was I was one of them Part of that. and um, was was looking for a job um, uh, for a bit and um, uh, came to healthcare. 
So it was gotcha. a long answer to your question. It's a great about answer. So I, I guess my my question is so like a lot of these roles that we you just were kind of talking about, you know, in your in your formative years of, you know, developing, you know, your career, entrepreneurial kind of right out the gates and then more HR generalist type work. Um, but then I know, you know, right now you're, you're niched down in, in talent acquisition. That's kind of like a reverse almost of sometimes what, what, what I typically hear, which is people start in TA and then kind of like work their way, you know, more specifically up to an HR role or, or whatever. They either find their niche in TA or, or they, you know, they, they become a generalist, uh, you know, by, by nature. And so I guess what, what, what has drawn you um, to TA and, and to, to be so, you know, kind of laser focused on what's going on in talent acquisition, at least right now? Yeah. Well, frankly, at the time that I <clears throat> pursued an opportunity with what was at, at the time Fletcher Allen Healthcare, there were two leadership positions that I had tossed my hat in the ring for. Mm -hmm. One was manager of um, employee and labor relations and the other was talent acquisition. And mm -hmm. honestly, at the time I could have gone either way. Yeah. Um, I was offered the position of leader of talent acquisition. And, you know, honestly, I really am like kind of an HR geek. Like I love every bit of human resources. Yeah. Um, and so it, and also, I, I often say that talent acquisition is sort of like the happy, happy joy, joy of HR. You know, we do, we definitely have our struggles and we are confronted with challenges with working with people just as you do in any area of HR. But most of our time is spent finding opportunities for people mm -hmm. and, and sort of matchmaking. And so um, I have loved it. I have not looked back to sort mm -hmm. of being like I want to I want to be more of a generalist again um, I've had a great opportunity to grow so I was offered the offered the position of manager of talent acquisition um, I think it was back in like 2011 and right as soon as I started it was clear that again at the time was Fletcher Allen healthcare um, was forging a affiliation with Central Vermont Medical Center mm -hmm. in the creation of an integrated academic, you know, medical hospital system mm -hmm. um, to serve, you know, million plus people, um, ultimately the vision for Vermont and for Northern New York. So um, fast forward to where we are today at the time, again, Fletcher Allen, leading talent acquisition for an organization that was just about 7,000 employees. Um, I've given the, been given the opportunity to grow into the role that I'm in right now. Um, and now we are a system of six hospitals, um, mm. one home health hospice organization, um, have 16,000 employees, um, and uh, and and have have had the opportunity to build something which has been really amazing, which I think is something yeah. that we're going to want to talk about. Yeah, too. The, the COE that you've been talk, talking to me a little bit about in, in some of our pre-work together. So I, I guess um, talk a little bit about the TA team first there. So like how many how many open jobs are, are you you working on? How many jobs maybe do you fill annually? Like what, what's your team comprised of today? Yeah. So um, when I started the journey, so um, 
we actually, we, I'll, I'll take us back a little bit. So we hired our first chief, chief people officer for the UVM Health Network. So we rebranded ourselves and became the UVM Health Network. And he started with us, I, I want to say it was like four years ago, and he was brought on board really to help to bring to fruition shared services for human resources for the network um, and envisioned um, COEs, centers of excellence that that would would get us there. Um, talent acquisition being one of them, organizational development and learning and development being another one, total rewards being one, um, HR technologies and systems being another. Um, and so he sort of um, either promoted folks into the roles of being leaders of those or or we recruited leaders. Um, and so I was fortunate enough to be offered a promotion to lead that. And so um, at the time, I, I think I led a team of six um, talent acquisition partners. I mean, mm -hmm. at the time they were called, they were called recruiters. Um, it may have started out that a couple of them were sort of like um, administrative recruiters or something. Um, in any case, fast forward to where we are today. I now lead a team of 46 people mm. um, to serve as centralized shared service talent acquisition for all of our affiliates. Um, I have positions um, that report directly into me that are leadership positions. So I've got um, a manager of talent acquisition or operations, a manager of talent acquisition for nursing and nursing support, a manager of talent acquisition for the non-clinical, or I should say actually non-nursing um, positions. Mm -hmm. And um, then I also have an executive talent acquisition partner that reports directly into me and a um, analytics um, and sort of like digital strategist mm. that report into me. And so then they have underneath them their own teams. We also yep. have, you know, the onboarding group is part of us or part of our team. Um, and we uh, have positions, we have sourcer positions. We have positions that provide administrative support to the talent acquisition partners. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I will say it's been it's been a really cool journey. I, I often look back at my time when I was leading human resources for Independent Brewers United, again, starting with Magic Hat. And I remember at that time in my career being like, I have hit my like pinnacle of success. Like mm -hmm. I don't need to be any more successful in my life. Like this totally fills me up. We, we did such a cool thing as a leadership group and, you know, brought these other organization, other, you know, beer companies into our organization. And I was part of that team. And like, I am, I am happy with just being, yeah. you know, a, a, either an ind individual contributor or like a middle manager yep. like the rest of my life. I don't really care. Yep, yep. Um, and so I would have never thought that I would have been in the position again where I was like really jazzed about building something and um, like operationalizing something, bringing something to fruition, like bringing 
these different different companies and different teams together and it's been so cool mm-hmm. um and i and i will stress that that obviously i didn't do it by myself uh, one of the first things when this was just even sort of like a glimmer in my chief people officer's eye and maybe mine as well is like i knew right off the bat who i needed to like take my leadership roles on my team. Mm-hmm. Otherwise I, there, I couldn't do it. Like, do it, like yeah. they really, they, they really are the ones that were like really made it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was fortunate enough that they were excited about coming on the yeah. journey. Too. So once you kind of got that team built, um, and so like, you know, if we have, you know, listeners today that are, um, you know, maybe in the COE, deployment journey or maybe they're midway through it and kind of once you got the team right like what what were some of the bigger challenges you had in kind of bringing that coe together like what what would you say like hey matt like these were the top three things that when i got into the middle of this you know that i was really spending a lot of time energy strategy on to get right yeah so um you know one of the first things that we did that we knew we would have to do and get it right before we even like began to operationalize anything is that even even though i had some concepts of how i would want this all to play out and and my boss did as well and and i had been really um influenced by by lean human capital, I had already my our team had already really um, been really involved in um, in sort of guidance from David Zari and his crew mm-hmm. um, back then. Sort of like in the I think it must have been like the the mid two thousand or um, mid two tens or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And so we we kind of knew like what was best practice already going into it. Mm-hmm but also recognize the importance of not just coming in and like laying down the gauntlet and being like, I know how to do this already. Yeah. This is how we are going to do it. So we, we had to pull together a group of talent acquisition professionals that was representative of the other affiliates. Mm-hmm. And we did that to create a design team. And so rather than telling you know, my colleagues, how it was going to be done, even though I felt like I kind of knew how we needed to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, I I had to be more influential than being like a dictator and Mm -hmm. sort of leading us all to water and sort of being like, you know, I I think that this is how it can work. And by the way, they had some really great ideas that maybe weren't on my radar too. Mm -hmm. So I think I, what I will say is for those that are sort of like in the beginning of a journey, this journey, it's really important to make sure that you pull together a group of professionals fr- that is representative of, of all the other locations that you're working with and make mm-hmm. sure that you're all really on board with it and that you are 100% on board with it. Because when we went to present it to... Um, the network leadership group to like propose how we were going to do it. We genuinely all needed to be aligned Mm -hmm. in, in how that was going to work. So, Mm -hmm. so that was sort of like the first step of it was like all coming together and being like, okay, we agree. 
like this, this is, this is why we're doing it. You know, it makes sense. It's going to be more efficient. It's going to be more effective. Everybody's going to have access to the same tools and technology. Um, it will just give us an opportunity maybe to um, cut some costs, uh, find economy of scale in our contracts, all of that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know, you know, so we know why we're doing it. We know sort of the what of of what we're doing here. And here's our presentation of it. And then the how was sort of like, you know, we progressively got there and worked together to do it. And it was at around that time that I w- was thinking with this team about like what the different positions would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I knew who I wanted those leaders to be, tapped them on the shoulder. The um, One of the leaders on the team is somebody that has come from of our other largest affiliate too. She had been leading talent acquisition there too. So that sort of like got the buy-in. Um, so I guess I will say one of the greatest challenges was just making sure we were all aligned, right? Yep. And, and, and the ongoing challenge is, you know, I still am faced with this, no matter how much I feel like are now like, you know, our, our team of one for talent acquisition that has representatives from each one of the affiliates, no matter how much they have bought into it and are on board and like in it to win it, Mm -hmm. we still are constantly finding ourselves having to convince you know, leaders at the affiliates that this was the right thing or this is the mm-hmm. the right way to go. So, yeah. um, how uh, how are you? How like I think that's a very common thing, especially as things have got tighter. Um, yeah. You know, which is you know, hey, maybe I don't have as much, you know, I don't know, line of sight or transparency into what I think I need to have. Like, how are you? maybe dealing with that challenges challenge or like, what are you trying to do to, to kind of maybe not convince, but to ensure that that partnership is, is strong so that what you've yeah. built doesn't, you know, become, you know, torn apart maybe someday. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, it's, it definitely is, you know, a risk yeah. for sure. Um, so I think, you know, one thing is that, the leaders of the talent acquisition COE had to have credibility with the the presidents and the leaders of HR mm-hmm. um, first and foremost at each one of those organizations. So that's ongoing. Like we put a lot of effort into that. We make sure that we are like trying to show up in person as much as we can, be available mm-hmm. to them if if they're they have questions or concerns. Um, the other way, and, and this is something that I felt like we did really well, and, and again, I will give huge kudos to um, my, my learnings through um, Lean Human Capital. And I also, I, I will say I gave a, I would give a, a great shout out to um, a consultant that I worked really closely with. Um, at that time, uh, her name is Deb Vorgavec, and I miss okay. her dearly, but she did a great job. She really was like also our right-hand gal through all of this, so mm-hmm. was really, really integrated in the work and was giving us advice sort of like all, uh, along the way, so mm-hmm. hugely grateful to her. But um, one of the things that I 
we did, I think, really well was before we even like went live and we went live in July, meaning that in July, on July 13th, we switched, you know, from recruiting by affiliate to recruiting as a network, Mm -hmm. you know, adopted new requisitions. We were then recruiting by service line. I mean, there was a lot of work involved in that. But just before we went live, we did a voice of the customer survey um, for all throughout all of the affiliates, surveying mm-hmm. the hiring leaders, um, feedback on you know a number of dimensions of of our work and talent acquisition. And so we had a really good like benchmark or barometer for ourselves, like, like out of the gate, like, here's how people were feeling like TA was, was running pre COE go live. And we're just about to launch our next voice of the customer survey in a couple of weeks. And so we'll be able to, we're going to do that every six months to be able to track it along the way. Um, it's all to say, I think metrics are huge in telling yep. the story. So yeah. we constantly are asked for um, data on, you know, how we are doing, how is how is it looking so far? Um, we do um, a um, lean human capital quarterly scorecard for all of our affiliates with a roll up for the network, but then. Separate from that, and I mentioned I have a, a person in the position of a um, data and digital analyst or strategist. She is like just entrenched in the data constantly. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. she has built us a monthly dashboard mm-hmm. on just sort of like a few key metrics, like how many hires have we um, made this month? How many um, starts did we have this month? Um, what was the time to fill this month? And we've broken that out by affiliate and by some like key positions like mm-hmm. nursing, LNA, environmental services, nutrition services. So um, it's really important to make sure that you're set up with some way of like showing people the progress that you're making, whether it's in the right direction or maybe yeah. in maybe an, in a direction that needs to be corrected. Um, but people are gonna, are gonna want to see that. Another really big challenge that is really worth spending time on is that before we went live, um, with our COE, we realized that we had to make sure that as many of our affiliates were on a shared HRIS Mm -hmm. and, and specific to us ATS, but when we forged on this journey, we were not all on the same ATS, HRIS. Everybody was on their own system. Um, and so we all, or actually six of us, um, were fully operating in Workday and mm. using Workday um, as an ATS uh, before we were able to go live. We still have the challenge that one of our affiliates is on ISIMS, mm-hmm. and that is is definitely a challenge. They will be coming into Workday in a couple of years, but we've had to solve for that. And it's been a little, mm-hmm. a little messy. Um, 
Do you use, uh, like, so just in that, so that, that sounds like that was kind of a big project was getting the technical infrastructure all lined up to, to run the COE. Is there any other kind of consolidated tools that you use or, or, you know, kind of think about, you know, in, in running a successful COE or, or things that you're, you're maybe looking at or considering? Yeah. So that was all work also leading up to go live. You know, mm -hmm. we were, we used different vendors, different contracts, you know, some of us, had access to tools that others didn't. Mm -hmm. um, and so most of that work happened leading up to going live. So we do use um, a digital interviewing tool. We've used, we were early adopters for the like pre-recorded mm -hmm. interviews um, and using in, uh, digital um, for interviewing, um, using a reference checking tool is another one that we had adopted and we were able to negotiate for all the affiliates, um, LinkedIn recruiter seats. So mm -hmm. LinkedIn enterprise we have for the whole team. Um, so yeah, we, we do, I feel confident that we have most of the tools that we need. I, um, one thing that we don't, we have a CRM that's sort of a, a Band-Aid that we're using right now that um, eventually we might want to invest in something different. Yeah. Um, but we do have all the same tools. Another um, bit of technology that was important for us to really be thinking along as we were going along this journey was, you know, how are we going? We have all different career sites, different career pages. We don't have one site that all of the jobs are getting posted to and, and we're funneling candidates into. And so that was another thing that we really had to make sure that we were launching around the same time as going live, which was a um, a career site for the UVM Health Network that, um, you know, still allowed for landing pages so that each of the affiliates could talk a little bit about their culture and, mm -hmm. you know, what it's like to work there, what the geography is like, um, have their employer value prop sort of um, specialized for, for their locations and such. But yeah. so to answer your question about technology, that is a big part of it. Like, yeah. what do you want to be using? Um, how are you going to get economy of scale with yeah. negotiating your contracts, all of that? So you, you got a team, you said of, of almost 50, right? Um, how, how many jobs did, did you say that, that you have open right now? Like how many, how many openings do you, do you all have? Across all affiliates, you know, every day of the week, Mm -hmm. I've got about 2,200 jobs wow. open. Yep. Um, and that is wow, probably for, you know, um, any organization yeah. to, to have to, you know, face and be challenged with. It's an even larger challenge, I think, um, operating in Northern New York and in Vermont. So mm -hmm. in Vermont, we have an unemployment rate. Um, that's, you know, around 2% mm -hmm. right now, um, for every unemployed person right now in our state, they have 3.3 job openings available to them. Wow. Um, we are really struggling finding talent and especially mm -hmm. like local talent, um, for our entry level positions, those mm -hmm. positions that, you know, you wouldn't really recruit people for, yeah. uh, have a lot of competition with 
hospitality because, you know, Burlington and Vermont are sort of vacation destinations. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Are these are these areas remote? Like, is the patient population is this like rural? Like, I'm not obviously familiar with Vermont. Or are these like, you know, located in you know decent geo, you know, I guess you know urban type areas? It varies, right? Mm -hmm. So, so I'd say it's probably the easiest, um, and that's relatively speaking, to recruit for positions in like Plattsburgh, New York. Mm -hmm. or Burlington, Vermont, right? Because mm -hmm. they just, well, for one, they are um, college and university towns, you know, mm -hmm. so there's a lot going on culture-wise. Like it's it's not a hard sell. It's a harder sell for areas like Malone, New York, Elizabethtown, New York. Mm -hmm. Those are pretty rural areas. Um, it can be tough to... Uh, encourage somebody to yeah. relocate to an area like that. Um, Middlebury, Vermont would be another example that is a college town, but it's um, it's pretty small and housing is really tight. So yeah. that is a huge challenge for us. With so what are some home. of the strategies or like what, 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 how do you, how does the team approach that? Like, is it just a lot of candidate generation, a lot of outreach, or are there programs that you're building to kind of counterbalance that? I'm just kind of really curious yeah. about that. So it's a combination of a lot mm -hmm. of different, you know, approaches thing, to trying yeah. to fill our positions. So there, there is, there's a lot of focus right now on sort of like growing our own. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what can we do to reach the younger people in our communities to encourage them to stay in our communities, knowing that it can be tough to relocate people here. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, creating training programs for like a pharmacy pipeline or a radiology pipeline or the lab or, and of course, nursing, right? Um, so there's that part, which is like, you know, if, if we can't relocate people here, how do we convince people to stay here and make it, you know, something that young people want to do? In terms of relocating people, because the housing market is so tight, mm -hmm. um, we've, um, I'm pretty proud of sort of some of the progressive and innovative thinking that um, our senior leadership has around um entering into like master lease agreements hmm. with buildings and developments here locally. So we're kind of piloting this in Chittenden County, which is the area that surrounds Burlington and mm -hmm. sort of our flagship, which is now um, UVM Medical Center was one Fletcher once Fletcher on healthcare, um, where we uh, have a master lease for um, 61 units in a new development here in South Burlington that will be just for our employees and newly re uh, relocated wow. staff. So like I would get an, so you'd re you'd recruit me in, um, you know, and as part as uh, part of my offer process, I would have the ability if I wanted to or whatever to kind of um, have housing, like housing, yeah. I wouldn't be struggling to find it or whatever. Um, exactly. how, how long do you keep them in those leases or is it just as long as they need it or is it like a transitory yeah. type of thing? 
So that's a great question. So we're working through the details right now. The vision is for like that new building mm -hmm. um, and those apartments there. People will be able to stay in those for up to two years. Wow. And then we've got other properties available to us that we are going to consider for a shorter leasing, hmm. you know, shorter leasing terms. So um, the organization actually UVM Medical Center owns 12 um, single family houses actually on the mm -hmm. periphery of our campus that we will be using as shorter term housing. So yeah. people relocating, but they know they're, you know, they've bought a house or they're going to build something or what have you. And those will be fully furnished you know, have amenities in them so people don't have to, you know, set up um, set up house for mm -hmm. longer than two months. Um, so I, I'm excited about like our creative yeah, out of the box thinking of like getting people here and giving them housing options because we have been faced with for those positions that we are, you know, moving people from out of state. In the past two years, we have had many instances where where people are here for maybe two or three months and then just get frustrated because they can't find housing, housing. and they leave. And yeah. so that's been a huge is problem. The, um, is, it, is it hard to, I'm just kind of thinking about um, the employee value proposition or why I would relocate to, to you know Vermont, is it hard to kind of curate that or is there a lot of really cool things and exciting things happening there that actually the you know once you kind of get somebody over the relocation hurdle um you know there's a lot to 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 be had to to you know come to the organization absolutely so you know, for, for the reasons why my husband and I decided to move back here are mm -hmm. the things that are really easy for me to genuinely sell to people. Mm -hmm. Um you know, it, it is it is absolutely beautiful. There is Lake Champlain. There are mountains. There is skiing. There is fly fishing. There is, you know, hiking and biking and road biking and mountain biking and all of those great things, not just in Vermont, also in northern New York. You know, yeah, yeah. those locations really are we're just like, you know, on opposite sides of the lake from one another. So. So those are really easy to sell, you know, very safe. The school system is outstanding. You know, the the sports um, programs in our states are really strong. So people that it's a pretty easy sell for anybody that is starting a family, um, is looking to, you know, build a, a life for themselves for, you know, potentially generations to come. Mm -hmm. That's going to be um, wholesome and fulfilling and all those yeah. great things. That's an easy sell. It can be a difficult sell for single younger people. Mm -hmm. You know, they're certainly because it, they are college communities. There are certainly young people around, um, but it it's probably not as exciting and sexy as you know being in Chicago or Manhattan or Boston. Um, but there are things that do definitely draw young people here too, and yeah. and they live fulfilled lives also. So yeah. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a hard sell. You just it, it you're selling it to people that enjoy 
the things that I just yeah, listed. you had me skiing. Yeah, so as soon as you said skiing, right. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll uh, come work with Rebecca someday here right. once I'm done in Pittsburgh. So join hundreds of your healthcare TA peers and enjoy the benefits of a Knacker membership today. Free educational webinars, access to our listserv, and discounts to your CHCR certification. All of this and much, much more for as low as $80 per person annually. Learn more at knacker.com. That's N-A-H-C-R.com. All right. Well, hey, we're at uh, we're at 38 minutes. So time flies when you're having fun. And so um, I, I had just maybe a question or two left, and then um, you know we can uh, maybe uh, put a cap on our, our first interaction, um, you know, together. So you got a lot going on, right? You've got um, you know big team, COE, kind of bringing you know uh, folks together, driving you know technology, um, you know transformation. What, what, um, what's one thing that you, um, and so since we're in the trenches here, you like to kind of get your hands dirty with something that's detail oriented or something that you feel is very important for you to kind of keep a pulse on to make sure that things are moving in the direction that you want them to move? You know, data is is what comes to mind with that, you know, mm-hmm. that I really am every day. I am looking at our open recs. I'm looking at the rec load by our talent acquisition partners. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at, you know, what our time to fill is looking at, um, you know, any sort of challenges. A lot of it, you know, is keeping a pulse on pay. Are we like offering competitive pay and benefits to um, to be able to attract talent. So it for sure is that like mm-hmm. I, I am no, you know, stats expert and, and math was never my strong point, but I mm-hmm. do recognize the importance of of like having that acumen in order to lead a successful talent acquisition function, because you have to constantly adjust, mm-hmm. you know, if, if one talent acquisition partner is, you know, drowning in open wrecks that are very difficult to fill, you need to quickly s- switch gears, you know, mm-hmm. and, and make it work um, and be fast and be nimble. Um, so I, I think I answered your question. Oh yeah, I, I totally. Data. Yeah. So you, you like yeah. to be, you know, hands-on analytics and, and kind of understanding, you know, what the team and, and that ma- that makes total sense. So is there anything forward looking, you know, so as you kind of look out over the horizon, any projects or particular initiatives that we haven't talked about that you're like really excited about or, or things that you're like very hopeful that will maybe add a lift to your team or, or, or help, uh, you know, maybe help move things along. Yeah. So, so while we are in the trenches and we totally are, so I keep reminding the team that, you know, we are there with the forming, the storming, the norming and performing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, we are in the process of norming right now. Um, there's a little bit of storming going on, but it's getting less and less by the day, and it gets less and less as we be, as we align on more things, right? Mm-hmm. So another great challenge of ours is that each one of our um, locations or affiliates that we're recruiting for have different pay structures, different mm-hmm. pay grades, have different approaches to um, coming up with salary uh, quotes, for instance. So 
one big initiative, you know, that I'm really focused on right now is trying to get everything as aligned as we possibly can just to make the job of the talent acquisition partner um, less like administratively burdensome mm-hmm. so they can focus more on attracting that talent. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, is that sort of like the, the, the holy grail of like performing, right? Like I'm so psyched to be able to, and I feel like we are so well um, set up to be able to start showing some of that success. You know, that again, I mentioned the voice of the customer survey. My hope is that this next voice of the customer survey may be a little bit better than we saw like when we benchmarked it. Um, but if it isn't, then like, let's, let's drive hard for increasing those results for the next survey. And so right now we're in the process of meeting with everybody on the team, setting their goals, setting their SMART goals, um, putting those SMART goals into Workday, making sure that we are being really um, disciplined about checking in regularly on those goals. Everybody on our team including myself and all of the leaders, have two shared goals. Um, Everybody on the team has the goal of increasing our voice of the customer survey by a certain amount and decreasing our time to fill by a certain amount. And so so how we get there varies by position, right? How a tap, what their actions are to, to, to get to that goal is different than a onboarders maybe or a managers but we all have that shared goal so i am really excited to like see if we can achieve that you know like what does performing look like for us like like are we just gonna like blow this out of the water i am i i am confident that we've got like really smart really hardworking people on our team that we can get there and i also am confident that they um they have what it takes, yeah. you know, yeah. like, so that's exciting for me. Well, maybe we'll have to do a, uh, a full episode on the VOC at some point in time. I, um, uh, I didn't, so I, I was, uh, um, like you, I had some responsibility to bring a COE together at uh, UPMC, and I and I didn't have it there. I didn't deploy it there. What was an, actually even on my radar? I was introduced to it when I um, uh, transitioned from UPMC to Trinity Health, and so we actually just got done with. Um, I think they're they're on their third or fourth VOC cycle. And, um, you know, it makes all the difference in the world. Um, I think in, in helping, you know, if you get, you know, good participation in it, and, you know, we, we do get good participation at Trinity. We get the managers are very engaged. They know it's an opportunity to give some feedback, both positive and constructive. But as I've been, you know, learning more about it and going through about it, it is super valuable. And, and so one, one uh, you know, kind of key thing, and, and uh, David, who you had mentioned earlier, um, you know, he was uh, interim head at, uh, at Trinity, and so he brought it there as well. He said that the uh, the most important measure on there that like moves all other measures is that manager communication score. And so, the, you know, they have the different dimensions or whatever. He said they're all very, very important, but the most important one is how well the recruiter and their hiring manager are communicating. You know, um, you know, with one another. So if you if you get 
recruiter that gets low communication scores, um, you can rapidly improve that VOC outcome by just focusing on how the recruiter's communicating with the hiring managers, the cadence, the quality of it or whatever. Um, but um, unique insights as you, as you unravel it, but it's, it's crucial. And I, I love to hear that you have that installed in your organization. It'll, it'll uh, yeah. do wonders for you. So. Absolutely. Another thing that we just did, and I know we're over time, but as we're talking about measuring is um, I just had everybody on the team um, just through forms in Microsoft. I created like a survey Mm -hmm. and I had everybody share feedback about their direct leader um, in Hmm. the stop, start, continue format. Mm -hmm. And that was another thing. I mean, we just got the results back, but like feedback is so important. And in the same way that the voice of the customer feedback gives you that it, it's, it's, it's confidential feedback. It's not attached to a name really, you sure. know, that can be frustrating or what have you, but it's so important for the individual to get that directly rather mm-hmm. than having it like filtered through somebody else. Yes, right. And yeah. that's so impactful. So yeah. yes, I huge fan of the voice of the customer. Very important. Yeah. Um, satisfaction for a hiring leader. You're right. Communication's a huge part of it. Yep. Um, but also for us right now, understanding the dimension of understanding is a really big one too, because, because we are going through that norming phase, like everybody needs Hmm. to understand like really well, and you need to be convincing to your, to your customers that you really understand, um, is really important too. Yeah, so that's yeah. awesome. Well, hey, I really appreciate you jumping in the trenches here today. If folks, uh, you know, want to engage with you or, or connect with you to ask you more questions or follow up, how, how would uh, they go about uh, getting in touch with you, Rebecca? I would love for people to connect to me with me on LinkedIn probably Perfect. is the best um, way to do that. So I am looking forward to having more connections and, and um, more relationships with other talent acquisition awesome. professionals out there. Well, maybe we can get you loaded up a little bit off of this. So thanks so much for joining and uh, really appreciate uh, the time and, and the learning of all the great things that are going on at uh, UVM. And uh, maybe we'll have you back on the show someday to talk about the voice of the customer. How's that? Thanks, Matt. I all appreciate right, you. Um, take yep. care. Bye now. All right. We want to thank you for listening to TA in the Trenches. We are produced by Iron Mike and his team at Ironbound Media. Keep up the great work, team. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and check out all of our episodes at knacker.com. That's N-A-H-C-R.com. You also can find me out on LinkedIn where you'll find quick show riffs. Feel free to ping me. I always respond. Bye for now.